0: Hey, Physionic. Before we get into this episode, uh, I wanted to thank those of you that have been reviewing the podcast. Uh, Things are slowly starting to trend upwards in terms of listenership. So if you are on the Apple podcast, if you have an iPhone, then I would certainly really, really appreciate it if you could review the podcast. About 60% of the listenership is on iPhone. And for those 15 to 16% on Spotify, I don't know if they've got a review system, but if they do, hint, hint, give that a shot too. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Have an awesome day. See ya. Hello, Physionic Podcast, a dedicated podcast. If you're not familiar with who I am, my name is Nicholas Verhoeven. I am a PhD student in molecular medicine. And today's topic is going to be covering something that I've actually been asked about on a number of occasions from a few different people, uh, and that topic is migraines. Now, I will admit that at the point that I'm recording this, uh, I don't know that much about migraines, which is always interesting to me because I, uh, anytime I'm confronted with a situation in which i don't know much about a topic and it's related to my overall passion which is learning about the human body i find it a bit like a challenge like i have to learn more about it well there's this new paper that came out that talks about migraines and the potential cause for migraines it offers some answers as to why individuals uh, end up suffering from migraines. So if you're one of those individuals, I'm going to describe kind of the mechanism that they describe in the paper. It's really not that complicated, but it is pretty interesting. And then at the end, I will be able to give you a little bit of hope in terms of trying to find a solution for your migraines will it happen in your lifetime uh based on this paper it could actually so let's get into it uh migraines are typically related to the brain now i realize i said typically related to the brain because the reason why i'm saying typically is because at this point we have linked so many different parts of our body to so many different diseases Uh, if you think of like the gut microbiome is starting to have a a serious impact in a bunch of different areas in our health. So I'm saying typically (laughs) for the time being, Uh, but let's assume that we wanted to focus on just the brain. Well, uh, if we focus on the brain, then we're going to be focused primarily on neurons, even though there are other cells that are found in our brain as well. And these neurons are designed so that they are essentially made up of three parts. If you're a neuroscientist, I understand that you're going to, you might push back on that and you might talk about other uh, smaller facets of what makes up a neuron. But essentially you have a dendrite, which is, I want you to think about the dendrite as the place where you receive signals, the neuron, the, the, the nerve cell is going to receive signals from other nerve cells uh, through what's called the dendrite. And then that signal then gets sent to the cell body. You can kind of think of that as like the computer chip almost. It accepts the signal and then it decides, in a manner of speaking, more in a biological manner of speaking, to then send that signal to other neurons or to not send that signal. So if it chooses to send that signal, it will send the signal down what's called the axon. So dendrite receives the message uh, and sends the message further along within that particular cell to the soma or the cell body, and then from the cell body, which then either decides, okay, we're going to send this, this signal further or going to eliminate this signal, and then it sends it to the axon which will then send it to another neuron and so on and so forth. So that's a really basic understanding of what's actually happening on a cell to cell communication uh, level. But beyond that, uh, if you zoom into a particular cell, so one cell, let's look at an axon, so that third part that I was talking about, kind of propagating that signal, um, the signal is actually propagated or sent through a essentially an exchange of different ions. So when you consume potassium, you may have heard of that, and you may have heard of consuming sodium. I think that's probably the more popular of the two, uh, lowering your sodium intake for heart disease and things of that nature. I'm not going to get into that now. But when you consume sodium and potassium, some of that is actually used in your central nervous system and in your nervous system in general, your nervous system being made up of neurons. And for your brain specifically, uh, there's this exchange, or actually it's not specific to the brain, but we're focusing on the brain, there's this exchange of these two ions. And they're both positively charged. So I just want you to think about positive and negative for a a moment. So within this axon, if we zoom in, inside the axon, there's a lot of potassium. Outside of the axon, there is a lot of sodium. And they are both positive ions. So they are both positive we'll just call them particles. They're both positive particles. And when your soma, your cell body, is trying to send that signal down the axon, what it does is it allows for the opening of potassium uh, channels that allow potassium to then exit the, uh, the axon. And when that happens, then you have a flood of different reactions uh, as well as sodium entering the cell. But I'm not going to get bogged down in how depolarization happens of an axon. I just, I want you to really focus on the idea of potassium leaving the cell, okay? Uh, So when that happens, then you have the signal that propagates down the axon. And what they found is with this study, they have what's called spreading cortical depression. And that's what they think is causing uh, migraines. Now, what is that exactly? Well, if we go back to our example, that is a situation in which for unknown mechanisms, currently unknown mechanisms, and I'm sure we'll find this out over time, uh, the neuron will release a bunch of potassium so it essentially uh, extrudes all or exports all of it not all but a lot of its potassium and that actually leads because potassium is a positive particle that means that relative to the outside of the cell the outside of the cell becomes more positive because it gets more positive particles. So it already has positive sodium out there and a little bit of potassium and then the cell is adding even more potassium from inside itself. So it's essentially giving up uh, positive particles. The problem with that is then that leaves relative, relatively speaking to the outside of the cell. Inside the cell that means that it's far more negative. The problem with that is that to send a signal down an axon, you have to be able to essentially go through this uh, depolarization state, going from a negative state to a positive state. That is how we send a signal. So you can hopefully see that there's an issue here because, and that's why they call it, most likely why they call it a spreading cortical depression, is because you are depressing you're essentially going through what's called hyperpolarization. You are increasing the negativity within the cell, so it makes it harder to go into a positive state. And that, for whatever reason, we don't know, uh, happens with neurons. And it will start at a focal point, and people that suffer from migraines might start having kind of uh, blurry vision might have spots that appear right before a migraine happens. And that is, they believe, because this spreading cortical depression, the keyword they're being spreading, is literally spreading across their brain. Uh, and it's moving horizontally. So it's not as much of an issue if it moves deep. So if it starts in a location and then it doesn't move outwards, It just moves inwards, that's not as much of an issue. But if it spreads across the brain, then you have this essentially this lack of performance in these particular neurons that affects all different types of areas of the brain. And then you get, you know, intense pain and blackouts and. All kinds of nasty things that happen with uh, migraines. Migraines certainly are not just headaches. They are uh, they can be incredibly severe. So that's what they think is happening. That you have this export of these potassium ions, leading to uh, this depression, and then with this depression, then you see this. Uh, they also think that there's something going on with the cell in terms of cell swelling. So the the, the cells themselves, the neurons themselves are starting to swell uh, to a larger state, which I don't know if they were talking about this, but uh, it's possible that then you have added pressure in if it affects, you know, millions and millions of neurons. Maybe if all of those start to swell a little bit, then that could add intracranial pressure. I don't know if that's the case. Uh, That's just something that they briefly mentioned in the paper. So let's talk a little bit about how they could fix it. Well, uh, they did a few experiments on that. And, of course, they did this in rat brains. But I will say that they've actually already started working on humans, uh, not to quite the same detail. They can't exactly, you know, remove parts of your brain and start to experiment with it. But uh, they have done that with rats. And uh, with rats, what they do is they apply a particular force or a particular uh stimulation to the neuron, So they make it more positive. They essentially force the potassium to stay inside. And when that happens, that allows the cell to stay in its uh, more normal state. But the thing is they haven't been able to actually stop the cortical depressions themselves. Uh, They are able to stop them if it has already started. So that's kind of good news and kind of bad news. One, it's bad news because you might still see that fishy, that weird uh, expression where you start blacking out a little bit. You don't feel pain quite yet, but you know something is about to happen. You know a migraine is about to happen. So a, a neuron or a clump of neurons or whatever is causing it has started to spread, and then they apply this stimulation, and it stops the spread. So it no longer moves outwards. So you never have it affect other parts of your brain. So the original point, the origin point, still occurs, but everything beyond that does not occur. And what they found is that this signal, and this is really cool, the signal, instead of moving horizontally, will move Depth, so it'll start going into the deeper recesses of the brain, and apparently that does not lead to uh, strong reactions by the brain. Uh, apparently, that is almost equivalent to like stopping the, the migraine. So they did this with actual probes, and they did this with you know being able to actually electrically stimulate different uh, brain slices and neurons and things of that nature but they can't do that with humans, clearly. So what is the potential solution for humans? And they've actually already started working on that. So they have started doing uh, research specifically for humans and they have what's called a transcranial electrical stimulation where they, you literally put a device on your head and then through your skull it not, you know, through your skull, it sends, uh, signaling and it, it can be relatively weak signaling. It's not like you're going to feel this massive sharp, like zap or anything like that, but it's relatively weak, but it, um, seems to have an impact. And, you know, we'll have to talk I mean, I don't think they know about the health ramifications or anything like that, uh, of, of this particular stimulation, but, um, it's not exactly that uncommon. Uh, we've, We've done we've done other things like that uh, with other tissues. Obviously, the brain is a little more delicate. It's probably not something that we want to mess around with too much. But you know, people who suffer from migraines that's you know people get desperate. People get really desperate. So this. Transcranial electrical stimulation: the idea is you would put it on uh, right as you're you feel like you're about to have a migraine or a migraine is just starting or you know so hopefully right before a migraine starts because apparently there are warning signs for it and you would apply these pulses and it would stop it would essentially just localize and hold that migraine. Uh, from progressing from that point on. Now, if we can find other ways, once we figure out what's causing that cortical depression, you know, what's the origin point? What's the trigger points? Are, are there genetic ways that we can fix that? Or are, are there uh, drugs that we can use to, to make the, uh, another thing they mentioned was that the sodium potassium pump doesn't work as well. So, you know, are there ways that we can maybe improve that so that you might, have this initial wave of a migraine, but then you take this drug, and it will completely get rid of it just by fixing some of the issues that the cells are going through. There's all kinds of different directions that we still have to investigate, but this is definitely promising in terms of, A, understanding why migraines occur, and I'm sure they're not just based on this one thing, Uh, but... Uh, Also, just by finding solutions that seem to, that could potentially help people uh, kind of in the long term. So you would, it might look clunky, but uh, I think people would rather look silly for a few minutes putting a transcranial electrical stimulation uh, device onto their head. And it's, you know, it's not like incredibly bulky or anything like that. It's just a few electrodes. Uh, and then stopping their migraine and then enjoying the rest of their day rather than having their entire day just absolutely torturous. So anyway, oh, one more thing. Uh, They actually also looked at seizures and I didn't want to focus on this. I just wanted to focus on migraines, but apparently seizures have the opposite reaction. So they can actually uh, predict some of this stuff, the same stuff that they use to predict uh, migraines, they can also predict seizures and they can potentially stop seizures in a similar fashion, but using an opposite protocol, which I thought, I thought I'd throw that in there just because I thought that was really interesting how they're, they're not necessarily linked, but the same mechanism by which we understand migraines also applies to seizures just in the opposite direction. So anyways, I'll have the uh, paper linked for you to check out. It's pretty dense. It's a nature paper. It, again, <laughs> I seem—I I just seem to be covering these things all day. It's not like I go out of my way to go to the most complex papers in the world. It's just, I find them interesting. And then I, I click on the link and sure enough, there's a nature paper or a cell metabolism paper or, you know, something along those lines. Anyways, that's what I've got for you. Hopefully you found it informative. If you did, you know, share this. A lot of people suffer from migraines and it is, it can rob people of their life. So share it if you think that, you know, they could use a boost in terms of their hope and their understanding of what's going on to their body. All right. I hope I have the pleasure of speaking with you in the next one. Have a good one, guys. See ya.